Welcome to a absolutely glorious HLS podcast here. I'm your host, Ryan Ritter. You can call me Andy Tex. Hold on. Let's get this. Oh, yeah. We did it. We finally have a victory against a ranked SC team. Party like it's 1995, y'all. And I am joined. Oh, well, hang on a second. First, you should subscribe over to uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Of course, we are also on Google Play Music, Stitcher, Podbean. And, of course, you can always find us on HerLoyalSons.com. Now, to the meat of this show, I am joined not only by Shane, but Irish Elvis as well. We got a party here. How y'all doing? Balls deep and awesome. <laughs> Is it I morning am... yet? <laughs> I, I am I am here in uh, the soundproof confines of my garage. <laughs> the, whis- the whiskey is good, and the Southern California Trojans—they are bad. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, they're they're trash. Mind you, this is not the seven absence I've had speaking. <clears throat> <clears throat> Objectively speaking, they were trash. They were treated like trash, and they are now being taken out. Oh, oh yes, it was absolutely beautiful, y'all. A, I cannot believe, 35-point victory by the Irish? Are we really alive right now? Is this really happening? Uh, no, we stepped into a time-space continuum where everything is shattered, <laughs> reality exists, and yet we're still wasted, and it's awesome. <laughs> yes, it is. So, uh, this is going to be kind of a clusterfuck of a podcast. I won't lie right now. We are... Uh, I tried to get this on Facebook Live. I couldn't figure it out in my uh, current Trojan blood state because um, what Shane recommended to me on uh, the last podcast for the uh, Long Islands that were modified, uh, very good, sir. Oh, those those are working overtime right now. Yeah. So there there may be a. I already see we have one person in listen only right now for for the podcast right now. So if anybody's in listen only mode, uh, very much welcome to the Discord channel. You are going to hear what is the absolute raw, unedited version, which may just very well end up on the final podcast, because in my state, I don't want to edit this thing very much. Let's be honest right now. Wait, y'all do post-production work? Believe it or not, we do. I I know, it's hard to believe. (laughs) Um, Yeah, don't don't just take his word for it. Essentially, we pretend like we try, and then you just believe we do. It's, It's fine. Pretty much, yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, for folks, I, I apologize. If you're trying to get in here and you haven't been able to figure it out, this is me trying to read, like, last-minute Facebook Live instructions and saying, oh, fuck it, I need to record before I pass out. So we're, we're just going to kind of roll with it. And speaking of kind of rolling with it, um, normally on this podcast, we take a look and recap the results throughout the college football weekend. But, um, Shane, how much college football did you watch this weekend? None. Zero. Elvis, how how about you? Um, So I spent the afternoon at Aver's 85th birthday party. Um, (laughs) And so uh, that was, um, I think, not quite as entertaining as uh, the Notre Dame game, but it was pretty darn close. I don't know. Uh, This Notre Dame game was pretty damn entertaining uh, from my 
from my realm of uh, or my area or my viewpoint or whatever word I'm looking for right now. Uh, I did watch a little bit of college football. I mean, I saw Louisville uh, beat Florida State. Poor Jack. This motherfucker said Louisville. Louisville. How about that? Louisville. What is happening? What is happening? I don't... The fewer syllables, the better. <laughs> Louisville. 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 They beat Louisville. And um, I also saw um, by proxy, kind of like just from random Twitter mentions, that apparently Michigan got their asses whipped. Beat down. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But... I think I think in Notre Dame fandom, that's what you call a perfect day. Oh. A Notre Dame win, a Southern California loss. And Michigan um, loss. All I, in the I don't. Same I don't mean to correct you, Elvis. It's what you call a Kathy day. <laughs> <laughs> I do stand corrected. Thank God, you very much. God bless you, ND fan comments. If you're listening right now, oh hell yes, this is this is so great. Yeah. Um. So Notre Dame absolutely whipping that ass for Southern Cal. And okay, look, I'm gonna be honest now because I even said if if you're actually in the Discord chat, and by the way, if you're not. Go to herloyalsons.com slash discord. You'll be able to join our chat channel. Because I even said, it's like, look, to be quite honest, I'm bullish on this game. And quite frankly, I was all in on the Space Bucks. I'm not even lying on this. 100% all in. Because I saw Notre Dame minus four, favored by four on this. I'm like, yeah, I'll take that every single day. So I was super bullish. I didn't really want to say it on this podcast just in case I would rather eat the money and eat my words on this podcast, but now that the deed is done, holy shit. <laughs> so I have a follow-up question for you, Ryan. What At what point during the game did you feel like your, your uh, laying the points was safe? 14 to nothing. What? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because that, that was the point to where I saw that uh, SC was not going to have it tonight. And, and Darnold was not going to be able to – and really what SC has been able to stake their claim on, they've been able to come back in second halves against teams that got gas, and I knew Notre Dame wasn't going to be one of those teams. So right. once ND went up 14 nothing, my mindset was, okay, as long as ND doesn't shoot themselves in the foot and turns the ball over constantly, we got this. That's really where I was at in this one. Uh, Shane, yeah. how about you? Where were you at? Honestly, so just just the paranoid quote unquote ND fan in me waited till twenty one nothing. When I saw the third score, just kind of looked and at the stadium at the overall like pacing and tone of the game, and you you just kind of get this sense that it was like, where are they going to come back at this point? You know, it it, it fourteen nothing. You know, they were, they were close to scoring. You know, the defense held kept them out from fourteen seven. There was still a little bit of a risk there. When it got to twenty one nothing after they turned the ball over again, it was just kind of oh, like. Yeah. It's a wrap. It just didn't feel like they had. Hell yeah, let's go! Oh fuck it! Oh my god! We got drunk, Eddie. Holy shit! Now, now we're done. (laughs) No, wait, wait, wait. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We we are we are only twenty minutes in, Eddie. You're way too early. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just figured out how Discord works on the phone. Let's go, baby! All right, hang on a second. I need to turn you up on here. Hang on, let let me turn you up, Eddie. There, there we go. Now we should be able to hear you better. Put the mic up in my headphones. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Roll the beat out. Just let it play. Just let it roll. All right. So, so uh, same question. I don't know, Eddie, if you you were with us on the rest of this, but uh, the question on the table was when did you actually feel safe that Notre Dame uh, for me had the uh, space bucks secured at minus four? When did you feel secure about this game, Eddie? 
it it took a while. I was with good good friend of the podcast, D- well, good friend of us, D Law. Oh, there you go. Even even at halftime, I was like, I don't feel good. <laughs> really? At <laughs> halftime? They no no, I did not Nothing. feel good at halftime. Envy has abused you, sir. Oh, I it's I've I mean I've seen some things, and, and then what did they do? They came right out and scored. But then we scored, and then we scored again, and then we scored again, and then we scored again, and it was glorious. I mean, we just be look. I've already hey, let it be known, I will never welch a bet. Josh Adams went for one ninety five and two TDs, which is insane. Which is well short of the three hundred and fifty yards. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is short of the three hundred I called. And I've Venmo Jack the one dollar of American currency. Oh please, don't, please! You have to send me a screenshot of that. I will put it in the post of the episode of this podcast. Check, check the tweets, baby. Look, I'm man, nothing. They, they, I will, hey, I never want to bet. They, Even they hit him with DJ Khaled. That's what they did. They hit him with DJ Khaled and another one, and another one. <laughs> Yeah, and it was weird because even after the half, you know, SC comes out and scores. I'm like, yo, it's fine. This is what SC does. They actually do shit in the second half. As long as we respond, it's not a big deal because that's where, yeah, that's that's where SC has, you know, pretty much made their mark is teams like, oh, shit, SC's doing something, and they fall apart. They get tired. Indy did not have that happen to them in this time. Oh, oh four, 14 points? How do you feel about an 84-yard touchdown run? Bop bop, bam, bitch. <laughs> no, that was that was glorious. That's the ass whipping that they've given to us so many yeah. times. And god damn, does it feel good to give it to them? And, and not only that, y'all. I mean, they're ranked damn near in the top ten. And as we said on this podcast uh, before this game happened, it has been since 1995 since Notre Dame has beat a ranked Southern Cal team. And not only did we beat them. We embarrassed them, and not only did we embarrass them, there were national media folk giving attention to it like, oh, damn, Notre Dame beating that ass right now. That was a thing that was happening. Oh no! But hey, but hey, what did the kids say? It was free money. <laughs> we were going to run all over that ass, and as long as we didn't go turnover time, we were good to go. Yeah, and Eddie, I don't know if you know this because I, I mentioned uh, post show when uh, you and I, you, I, and Jack actually dismounted from whatever the hell it was we did over the bye week, um, which was garbage. Oh God, it was so bad. <laughs> it was it was absolutely hilarious, is the way I term it. But I told y'all, hey, ND minus four right now, where I'm looking at. I, I'm not joking, Eddie. My space bucks all in, 100 percent all in. I have never done that for an ND bet before. But I was like, I'm bullish on this. I, I won't say much about it, but I'm all in here. And I, been, it was great. Bes- <laughs> hey, but besides Okie State, it's been a very good day for your boy. <laughs> hey, your, your boy, your boy's doing okay today. Hey, I warned you about. I, I warned you about. I warned you about Okie State, Texas. I warned you, sir. Just drop, just drop the interception. Get the touchdown <laughs> in overtime. Stick the. Was uh, all right, well, we'll we'll deal with that later. The thing that we need to focus on is the fact that SC got that ass. Yeet. 
Yeah. Hey, you know what? How, how about Sam Darnold handing out turnovers like they were Halloween candy early? How about oh, NBC? Oh, weird. How it's, about it's almost like Sam Darnold's not that good at football, but really good at turning the ball over. <laughs> hey, Great. Eddie, Eddie, you were in the stadium, so you don't know this, but I kid you not, Eddie. Even when Notre Dame was up like fourteen nothing and twenty one nothing. They were doing segments on the Sam Darnold Heisman campaign on NBC. I shit you Ooh. not. Hey, how'd the blind long snapper do today? Uh, he fuck. was. He was. <laughs> oh my god! Holy no, he didn't. Fuck. He didn't help. He didn't help. Oh my god! <laughs> Tom and Eddie can suck it. USC can suck it. We're the best. His braille play card didn't do shit. Murder time. That's got to be a real knee to the old emotional nutsack. Oh my god. Savage. Oh wait, wait, were we trying to were we I'm sorry, were we trying to be nice to the opponent right now? No, I, I'm cool with Jake, man. I don't got anything against Jake. What, what the hell, dude? Hey. Look, I'll try I'll try I, I, to Jake, I'll, I'll Jake try to come in stadium. You're That's gonna right. get that ass whipped. That's right. In, in in Eddie's defense, Jake Olson's got that Pete Carroll stank on him, and anybody who who is associated with that level is is not okay at my book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you know what? All right, that's that's fair enough. I personally don't have a problem with Jake, uh, but Eddie, uh, to answer your question legitimately, he was listening on the headset for what was going on, and he did not seem very amused by it. Mm. Just well, in case I mean, you were wondering. Like, oh, dude. Jesus, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a, oh, wait, it's you I'm, because I'm you just go got burned. <laughs> no, I'm a, hey, weird. It's like I'm a bad person on this podcast. That's strange. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. I feel like I've done my job. Fuck USC. Go Irish. Y'all have a good one. Okay. You have a good Jeez. one, Eddie. Thanks for joining us for the, the brief moment of time. Jesus Christ. I need a shower. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie is like Sag Kaiser Sose here. It's like, it's a dog. Damn. <laughs> oh, man. I was not prepared for that. I, nope. I even told Eddie, hey, if you want to jo- join in, by all means. And I, I was not checking my DMs or anything at all. So he's just, just hopping in on in here. Yeah. And, well, that yeah. was – at least it didn't take an hour this time. <laughs> no, no, no. He he did it. He, he dropped it. He came in like an A-bomb. Just, just, just dropped and kept going. All right, I see a stat. Uh, I got to throw out some sports math for you guys. Uh, and this is courtesy of Tad Mike, uh, at Tad Mike, T A D D Mike. Um, we got a very nice stat here, folks. Notre Dame ran 69 plays in this game. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Very nice. So nice. And, and not only that, I know in the first half, uh, SC had negative rushing yards. Yeah, they were averaging negative, negative 0.5 yards per carry in the first half. What the hell? This is incredible. Not, not okay. Not okay. Oh no, it's totally okay. I, I'm completely fine with it. What was it? The, the 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 rushing total for the first half was like four yards for USC versus 179. For no, the, the, it was not even in the positives. Oh boy. Yeah, wow. it was. It was as bad as you could believe. Oh my gosh, we actually had people in the. the we are going to test Discord servers tonight, y'all. Yep. I don't know if you're looking at the podcast channel right now, but we actually have people yeah. listening to this this clusterfuck. <laughs> Enjoy. So we'll signed up. So welcome, so, welcome one and all, right now. Go ahead, Elvis. What's up? Yeah. So I, I was I was going to jump back to your earlier question before uh, Eddie threatened to derail us here. Uh, <laughs> when, when when did Threaten? we feel safe? Yeah. When when did we feel safe? 
and I, I too was listening to uh, you know the the NBC uh, glorification of all things Southern Cal a little bit too long. So I think it was the twenty one to nil going up to twenty eight to nil before I felt like we were yep. we we were all right. Yeah, um, that was fun. I mean, but, they, USC just didn't have it at that point. Yes. No, they they didn't, and 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 I think some folks have alluded to it previously, but this is a little bit of uncharted territory for Notre Dame fans in this on this side yeah. of a blowout in this rivalry. Um, I was just thinking off the top of my head, you know, we know that, that Pete Carroll loves to be an idiot and go for two when he's up by by way too much. What's your uh, deal, see my, man? What's your deal? See, see, see my aforementioned uh, comment about uh, Jake Olson earlier. But um, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, there was 51-0 in 1966, and there was the 49-19 game in 1977. And tonight, and I think that's kind of the list for, for Notre Dame fans. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's kind of one, two, three. And let's be clear. Tonight was a much better way to honor the 1977 squad than the 2007. We looked good coming out of the tunnel, and that was about it. That was about it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think that is very, very much where I would be in agreement. No green jersey required. No, no, no. We'll, no. we'll, we'll take, we'll, we'll take, we'll take navy also, blue and the score. Uh, all right. Hang on a second. So anybody listening uh, live on the podcast, that's me trying to actually bring up the box score on ESPN and not muting the tab soon enough. So that's where that came from. <laughs> and just so you all know, the way this is set up, uh, my I do not transmit that. So all of you all heard it and nobody else did. Uh, anyway, nope. uh, so um, I'm bringing up some stats here because y'all, Notre Dame, let, let's guess. Do you know how many yards Notre Dame rushed for in this game? Uh I think that I see 500 yards of total offense. Was it like 370, 380 of rushing yardage? I'm, yeah, I'm going to say three, three, 350. Wow, I am surprised both of you actually were in threes. The exact total, 377. And yes, Elvis, they were very close to 500 total yards. They had 120 in the air from Brandon Wimbush in this one. Uh, so that brings them to a grand total of 497 yards. And just shy, but... Y'all, eight yards a rush. And Josh Adams, now, now we can actually start to say that Heisman campaign can actually start being for real. And I, I've tried to be calm. Yeah, I've, I've tried to be calm about it because, like, look, the Georgia game, he didn't perform to a level that you would expect a Heisman contender to. So we need him to do something against SC. He will have to do something against NC State as well. This time around, he definitely made a splash. He went for 19 carries, 191 yards. That is, if you're doing the math, a 10.1. 10.1. I know. And three touchdowns and a no. long of 84 yards. So where it, it was great because I actually tweeted, like, now would be a great time for the Navy. We're just going to hold the ball for a quarter. And then one handoff, there goes Josh. He's gone. Yep. <laughs> yep. Basically. It, it we're, was, oh, so we're at great. a point now where – what we have is not just an established running back. It's it's an established offense, I would say. I mean, USC was supposed to present this this challenge where their defensive line was supposed to be something. Yes, the secondary was perceived to have not been quote unquote performing to standard. But when you rush at that clip against this USC team, that's not only ranked number eleven, but only lost one game, had never given up more than thirty points this season, and we, I mean, this team just. 
I mean, just spanked them, mopped the floor with them, stepped on them, pissed on them, spit on them. <laughs> well, the, the offensive line was establishing themselves six yeah. yards downfield every play. Like, they even got a penalty thrown on them for so a good block. Nice. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So no, and then, and then not not to forget. I mean, then then what the defensive line was doing. I mean, wh- whatever USC's offensive line plan game plan was supposed to be, I guess, which was like you know, like block out on the edge with the tackles. It it didn't matter. Jay Hayes just said, "I don't I don't care about your plan. It doesn't matter." Dalen Hayes said, "I disagree." <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So go ahead. Uh, expand upon that, Elvis. Oh no no. I was just uh, I was I was giving voice to. Um, to Jay Hayes. To what Jay oh, Hayes said. Oh, okay. yes. and, All right. I want to block outside. Like, no, no, we're, we're, we're going to block you over here. He's like, no, uh, false. I have uh, reservations at the quarterback. Exactly. Yeah. It, it was, I mean, I don't know what else you could ask from Notre Dame in this one. And, and look, we all kind of had the, the opinion that this was, for any Notre Dame SC matchup, this was the absolute ideal matchup for Notre Dame and SC. Mm-hmm. We saw the weakness. Not only, I mean, look. Let's be every honest. week? Yeah, every week. But also, look, SC is injured. I mean, look, let's be honest here. They have a lot of people out. I even went on the radio today and said, hey, I like this matchup. And, you know, the defensive line, I mean, it's bleeding right now. They have a lot of people out. I really like the favorable matchup. Notre Dame's coming off a bye. And for some reason, SC has no bye, which I kind of find a hope. Join a conference, folks. It works out so well for you. Yeah, maybe don't play 14 games in a row. That might help. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, it was one of those, this, this leads out to a good matchup. Darnold seems to struggle early. He seems uh, to press early. And that's exactly what happened in this one. But the only difference was ooh, is he's, that he's got, he, he's got that Tim Tebow throwing motion, too. Oh, yeah, oh no. Yeah. Does he ever? When, oh, no. When Flutie is showing that you have a Tebow motion, you have a fucking problem. I mean, if it's that obvious for that motherfucker to be able to see it that plainly, you might have a problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you could see it in Darnold's face. He, he, by the end of the first quarter, he looked like he'd seen 11 players on the other side of the, of the field with, with dicks going out of their foreheads. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened here, but I'm well, in the wrong but spot. At, at, that, at that point, it was 14-0. It was entirely possible. Oh, absolutely. Based, based on how we were playing. Yeah, yeah. Just, just contact Mint Dick's lap. Everyone, everyone on the on the defense had their pants off by the end of the first quarter. Oh yeah, and I even I even told my I, I kid you not I told my wife because we actually turned the eight. I mean, more detail than you need. We turned the AC off in our house. It actually got a little bit warmer today. I said, look, if the pants come off, just don't question it. Just just don't worry about it. <laughs> Welcome to your life, honey. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna reset right now because we got a lot of people listen uh, only in here, uh, folks. If you are listening only and you got a question for us. Go ahead and fire it off in the chat channel if you want us to answer anything. I actually have it up on a second screen right now. So if you actually want us to, quote unquote, intelligently answer anything, go ahead and fire away and we will do it. I mean, not so much a call-in show because that would actually require effort on my part. But um, go go ahead and fire away. So, uh, I mean, we're going to have fun here. This should be a celebration because this is, as we said before, this is the biggest win of the Brian Kelly era. Can you believe it? By far. Oh, I, I, now, I, I know the whole back. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, let's let. By let's, ranking, let's, by by AP ranking, Elvis. Okay. By AP ranking, it is the biggest win of the Brian <sighs> Kelly era. Brian, you I were at, at Oklahoma in 2012. You I was. I think that how, was a bigger this, win, how, but how I'm talking about pure AP ranking. Oh, okay. All right. 
right. Okay, wait. Hold on. On the road, yes. At Oklahoma, yes. 30 to 13, though, right? That was a score against Oklahoma. Uh, 49 to 14, USC number 11 at home. How is this not bigger? <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, in every, every regard. No, I, I, I think I, I think that in 2012, I, I like to believe that Oklahoma had more horses. It just didn't feel like um, it was supposed I, to be. Yeah, I, I, I feel like Notre Dame is in a little bit better position in terms of depth in 20, whatever year this is, 2017, than they were in 2012. Hmm. Um, so I so I do like this win. I'm I'm not saying that it's bad. I just I feel like the opponent, the bigness of the 2012 Oklahoma game. Um, I mean the one two. How, however, however you, you you put those in there, I, I think I would slot this tonight at number two in the yeah. Brian Kelly era. Um. Let's see. Now I'm, I'm going to talk myself down. Well, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and address the question because Jude actually okay. pointed it out. I went and looked it up. He said Oklahoma was ranked AP number eight at the time of the game. Uh, apparently, that's correct. So, uh, Jude, yeah. you can blame Pete Sampson for giving me that stat because that is uh, something I went off of his Twitter. So you are absolutely correct. I went and looked Fair. it up. Uh, I'm seeing the same screenshot he's showing right now. Oklahoma was ranked eight at the time. Uh, yeah. So eight was actually the biggest win of the Brian Kelly era numerically. Uh, um, and uh, I, I do y'all want to address another question here in the chat? Do, do y'all yes. want to roll with that? All right. So uh, this comes from uh, Shane. Oh God, I am so. I'm sorry. I'm gonna go with Ploger. Uh, yeah, Ploger. Yeah, I, I apologize like, if I fuck that up, but I'll take I'll take credit. And brackets he's BT, so we'll just call him BT. Uh, do, okay, do you feel like Wimbush actually looked like a serviceable QB as far as throwing goes after this game? Uh, let's start with you, Shane. How do you feel about that? <clears throat> okay, so if we're basing this off of previous performances, and, and, and again, we only have the six-game sample size, really five games, if you don't count UNC. So <clears throat> the, the overall best performance he's had was against Michigan State. I think we, I think we can all kind of agree on that. But what, what he was called upon to do in Michigan State was essentially limit the, the, the risk, right? They, they kind of played underneath. They played short. Um, he did try a couple deep, but there was nothing there to kind of really um, challenge him as a passer. Because I think we can all agree that it's established that at this point in the season, what they're looking for is to run the ball first. In this game, what, you're, what you always have to wonder is whether or not USC was capable of really challenging the Notre Dame offense on defense, because typically that's what USC does. Um, and I think if we take that into consideration, we have to give Brandon Winbush's due credit, because as a passer... He did everything he had to do. He had all of his passes pretty much timed to the, the, the appropriate extent, even when he was on the run. Um, whereas previously, even when, you know, when Alizé Mack would pull out um, you know, 60 yards into the flat, he would hit him at, at the knees. In this game, he did everything he had to do. 120 yards, I'm, I'm sorry, but who gives a fuck, frankly? Um, the reality is he didn't have to do a ton with his arm. But what he did do, he fucking nailed. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I feel like... I don't know that this necessarily establishes him as a more sound passer because I don't think this is a lot, a, a large enough sample size to draw such a conclusion. But I will say that, you know, in terms of what is needed in the game situation, he fucking nailed it, right? Yeah. Uh, Elvis, uh, what, what do you think about Wimbledon's performance tonight on the passing end? I think it was fine. Um, I think everyone 
here and most folks in Notre Dame fandom realize that Notre Dame could win the game on the ground offensively. So Wimbush had to keep his stat sheet clean. And he accomplished that. Um, he didn't try to do too much. And look, when we're at uh, you know this juncture in the season, uh, having a young quarterback in terms of game experience, say, go out there, hand the ball off, don't lose the game, take a couple big shots early, keep connected, he's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, that gets him another week of game experience, another week of film. And ne- I mean, next week is going to be, a, a, I think, a bigger challenge um, without looking ahead. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, with, 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 with NC State. I mean, they, they, are, they are on paper, they are going to be a better team than, than SC was. And I mean, shoot, I hope that we show up next week the way we show up tonight because that would be fantastic. So yeah, I don't, I, I don't have any problem with him. I don't think he's a liability. I don't think at this point he has to win games, but the quarterback has not had to win games for us. And that in itself speaks volumes about the offensive philosophy, the line play, the running backs, like everything, like the defensive, uh, you know, stinginess, like all those things. So it feels like a real commodity to have. You know what I mean? Yeah. This, this, this is fine. Yeah, and and from what I was looking at, where where I was sitting in my house tonight, uh, I really loved what Wimbush did tonight. So so as far as the question, as far as what do I think of him as a passer, I think he did a great job. Because if he missed, he missed long. And as, as somebody else, uh, Idaho Domer, uh, came in here and said that if he if he missed, he overthrew, which was smart. And and yeah, that's right. exactly what you do. If if there's going to be anybody that makes a play, it's your receiver. And honestly. He had some throws to where his receivers should have made plays. He suffered. If I go chart this game, he suffered for some drops. So he really should have thrown for somewhere, I, I would say, closer to the neighborhood of almost 200 yards, which sounds bad when you're talking about a quarterback stat. But when, you're, when you sit when here and look at the rushing total, yards, yeah. Yeah, exactly. When you rush for 377 yards and you throw for 200, you're absolutely absurd. So... Wimbush had a very good game, and the fact—I mean, that first touchdown pass that he had in the back of the end zone. Oh, Jesus! Oh, that was. Yes. Uh, we yes. have been waiting for something like that all game long. I, I was watching this game with somebody who knows nothing about football, and they were just like, "I, I, I, I can objectively say that was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen." <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, Jude actually posted this in the chat. So uh, Jude firing away. He has part of the BK transcript in here. So I'm going to go ahead and read this. Uh, this was in regards to uh, his passing numbers. And uh, mm. BK said, he put up 49 points, and you put your second team in with a lot of time to go in the fourth quarter, which, as an aside, by the way, I can't believe we did that against SC. Montgomery Van Gorder got to run out the clock. Montgomery <laughs> Van Gorder got snaps USC. Yeah. yeah, he said, that's what it does. You can keep looking at his numbers all you want, but we self-scouted him last week. And his production numbers in terms of third down, legs, throwing it, converting fourth down situations, key decisions in a red zone option game. He's a really effective quarterback for us. And, and quite frankly, the way he performed in this game, I mean, this is why, I mean, Book had a very serviceable game against UNC, 
But I, I even I even commented to my wife. I said he's unfair. Wimbush is unfair. What he's able to do on the field, it. It, it, it's it, it, it's what you when you take control of the NCAA video game. And God, I really wish Wimbush was in the game. I really wish because he's the kind of player you beg to control because he is just. He's somebody that gets banned in a video game. You're like, no, it's not fair if you play him because literally nobody can stop him, no matter what. And that's what Wimbush almost does on the field when he is completely, I mean, it's not even if he's comfortable. He was making smart decisions. He kept his eyes downfield. It was like, okay, I need to run now. And when he said, I needed to run now, it was a 10-plus yard game damn near every time. Sure, like at least six first downs on, on, on single runs. A 7.6 rushing average in this game with two touchdowns. He rushed for over 100 yards in this one. So, again, Notre Dame has two 100-plus yards rush, rushing, and one of them's a quarterback. That's that's insane. We do not expect that from Notre Dame, considering we're we're really not a pure option team in the least at all. Yeah, yeah. Now, if, if, I, if I can, if we can shift gears here a little bit. Uh, J-Train posed a question here, uh, J-Train 8. And it's something that I think we, we should talk about. He said, can we talk about this defense, though? Right? Because the oh, reality is, he raises a great point. The turnover machine has not stopped chugging. What the fuck? Thoughts? Yeah, well, here, here's one thought. The one thing, when I rewatched the uh, Notre Dame-UNC game that stood out to me when they were talking about the Notre Dame defense was um, the turnovers, it, it's not just some kind of magic. There's actually a lot of fundamentals that goes into it. And we're seeing week after week Notre Dame putting those fundamentals into practice. That first turnover by Coney, that, I, I was laughing that Darnold got sacked and, and bobbled the snap. It. And all of a sudden, Coney's out with the ball. Yeah. And I'm yeah, looking at the replay. Like, yeah, have fun overturning that. You can't see shit. Coney came out with the ball. The call on the field was that Coney has the ball. And, and you're going to give Notre Dame that football. And that's something we've never seen from this Notre Dame team. Now, honestly, it's it's an evolution of what I mean. It, it's it's not even an evolution. It's like they just got hit with a fucking thunderstorm. Like they they went straight from being a regular ass Pikachu last week last year. <laughs> They're right and get, to this year <laughs> and getting stonewalled, and then said, "You know what, man? Ash does not give a fuck. He's hitting that bitch with a stone. We're going gangster. We're going gangster this year." I, I don't know what it is. You know, I. The obvious answer is that like Mike Elko has instilled this defense with some new level of fundamental uh, training and coaching, and he's he's really pitching the punches and the strips and all that shit. The reality is is like what this defense has managed to achieve, not only in upholding the turnover trend, but in absolutely stonewalling in the red zone, and then absolutely and, and frankly just shutting down offenses across the field. It is it is essentially the epitome of night and day. Right. I mean, I feel like at this point, how how else do you measure the the actual growth of what this defense has become? Right. I mean, at, at this point, it's so stark and so dramatic that it doesn't even feel like the same team anymore. Oh, Am it's I wrong? Not. No, it's a completely different team. Uh, Elvis, what do you think about this defensive performance? Yeah, I mean, this th- this reminds me a little bit of uh, 2012 in that um, we kind of kept waiting for things to happen and yeah. then kind of the back half of the season folks are starting to talk about well you know oh it's been uh you know there, there have only been two touchdowns scored in the red zone like mm-hmm. there's only been one like 
we haven't allowed a passing touchdown all year. And, you know, that those things happened tonight. Right. But, like, when you are first and second in some of these, you know, defensive scoring statistic categories or, you know, top five in takeaways, um, like those sorts of things are uh, a little bit noticeable. So I don't want to draw too many comparisons between 2012 and 2017. Um, I don't you – know, there's still a ton of football to be played still, um, certainly by – everybody else who's in the playoff conversation. Uh, but I, I do like where we are in terms of our depth. I like where we are in terms of our scheme. I like where we are in terms of how we are generating opportunities for the offense. Mm-hmm. But in reality, with our offense, you can hand the ball off to Josh Adams on the 25-yard line after a kickoff or a, you know, a downed punt in t- inside the 10-yard line, and that could go to the house. So. Yeah. You know, there's there. I I don't really have too much, uh, too many bad things to say about the defense, other than, um, you know, at this early juncture with a limited sample size, kudos to Brian Kelly for um, hiring the right coordinators. Oh, absolutely. Maybe going outside of his comfort zone a little bit, um, and uh, I mean, it will pay dividends hopefully this year, but hopefully in consistency with you know the next year or two or three yeah um, year but, one, imagine. yeah yeah i mean this, this this is great and so i i think that speaks volumes to kind of where you know the other areas that he's sort of stabilized that were that were kind of a little shaky but when he took the the position and uh you know we'll we'll, we'll see what happens but not to get too macro on on y'all um i do have to get to bed i got an early start tomorrow this has been eminently more successful than any Google Hangout that we've ever attempted. <laughs> so, uh, history I'll, of shit shows. I'll, uh, I will, I will uh, hit you guys with the deuces. And uh, thanks everybody for uh, tuning in live. And we'll look forward to hearing the uh, the, the finished product on the podcast. And uh, go Irish beat Trojans. And uh, we'll see you all next Saturday. All, all right. Thanks, see you. Thanks for coming on all board, right. Elvis. All right. Well, well, Shane, I'm going to hit you with another set here because. Notre Dame. All right, we are we already established they rushed for three hundred seventy-seven yards, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so USC's rushing total seventy-six. Oh, oh USC's oh. passing total two hundred sixty. Now I'm not even looking at the total here, but I'm pretty sure if my uh, math is right in my inebriated state, that is three hundred and thirty-six yards. Notre Dame outrushed USC's total. <sighs> in this game that should tell you about what elko's defense is doing here absolutely i mean what what he's managed to establish in this short season so far has been nothing other than fucking otherworldly i mean it's it's earth shattering what he's capable of in you know especially going from something like the the van gorder as Idaho Domer put it, the the Van Gogh uh, riverboat gambler approach, right? Feast or famine, we'll see what happens. Where right? only Schmidt got it, which was the o- the, the other exactly. thing where, where Sir Opsalot pointed out. It's like it yeah. only worked when Schmidt was in there, which is weird. It only worked when a walk-on linebacker was in there that was able to figure out the, the fucking Greek that was in front of him. Oh, dude. No, no, no. I, I mean, essentially, it's, it's at a point now where if you have to consider what is the greatest 
actual overall change that took place between one season to the next. You can do all the whole, you know, everyone loves the whole body by Bela shit. That's fine. But the reality is what Mike Elko has brought to this team has had pure MVP. I mean, that's the real MVP. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, you, if you're going to ask Kevin Durant, that dude's going to shout out Mike Elko. <laughs> Nobody else. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean you, you, you can definitely say that Chip Long's offense has been astonishingly effective, right? Especially in the run game. And, and it's to a level that we don't recognize. But when you take what the defense was to what they have become, it is essentially just, you know, you, you flip the planet on its side and change the actual polar directions of where it's actually rotating. We were going, you know, you know we were going north-south, and now it's pure madness, and we are adjusting to where we need to. We're, we're at the point now where a USC team came into Notre Dame and maintained that trend that we have where no team has scored more than 20 points. USC failed to score 20 points. Yeah, and, and that was something I will be 100% honest with you folks. I did not expect to happen because I even, said, I even said on this podcast, USC is, is one of those Weiss teams. They got so much skill. You know they can score. I did not expect Notre Dame to do what they did to them tonight. They only scored, excuse me, 14 points in the third quarter, and that's it. Yeah, that that's was all it. they got. And we've I mean, been we've been asked if we can laugh at Michigan. Oh, we can absolutely laugh at Michigan losing forty two to thirteen. They didn't just lose; they they basically lost in the first quarter because Penn State scored fourteen points in the first quarter, and Michigan State scored or Michigan State. Well, they might as well have been because Michigan State barely scored as well tonight. Uh, but Michigan only scored thirteen all game long. So yeah, yeah the game was over point. before it started. Much like what Notre Dame did to USC tonight. Weird. It's almost like those khakis are sagging because they're full of shit. <laughs> Hoke has a better record at this point than, than Harbaugh does. Uh, <laughs> it's oh. so beautiful. Reconcile that. Is it not so beautiful? Oh, this uh, is it's, great. It's, it is, it's like a piece of art in the MoMA. It's just, mm, you look at it and you just, you just take it away. By just, it, it's, this, it's this smattering of maize, blue, and, and an overwhelming amount of brown shit all over the actual camp. <laughs> is, is that from the milk and, and the steaks? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad. Oh, God. It's, it's all coming for full circle right now. It's so beautiful. It's been possibly the greatest Saturday of our entire lives. Oh, without okay. a doubt. This has been so great. I, I mean, <laughs> oh, wait, hang on a second. Uh, oh, Jude. God, Jude. Bless you, Jude, for being in our channel right now. So the first 33 games as Michigan head coach. So Brady Hoke, 25 and 8. Jim Harbaugh, 25 and 8. Womp, womp. $9 million. <laughs> I'm really like glad here. you're giving that phony insurance money to somebody right now because that, that's absolutely, oh my God. Our, our <laughs> chat channel right now, folks. If you are not at herlowellsons.com slash Discord, I, I am going to leave this podcast channel open because apparently Discord can actually handle it. So, uh, yeah, if you are here, definitely uh, we record uh, typically on Sundays and Wednesdays in the evening. So uh, definitely hang around, check it out. Maybe we'll start saying, hey, we're recording now uh, yeah. because this has been great. To see the actual live feedback in our channel has been absolutely freaking hilarious. <laughs> Who's got it better than Michigan? Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> oh, God bless you, Idaho Domer. Oh, Harbaugh is 6-5 and five in his last 11, if I'm remembering for the podcrats correctly. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Oh, boy. Oh, Look, man. man. There's never not a good time to laugh at Michigan. I don't know the number of days, but I'm sure it's over, what, 400 now since the last time Notre Dame, uh, Michigan scored against Notre Dame? Fuck them. Could Fuck you them imagine, Could you imagine if we play those motherfuckers this year? Oh, oh. my God. Wow. That that would actually be that would actually be very bad. That would be very very bad. And and, and I'd love it, but it would be very bad. Yeah, it it would it would be fun to watch because Michigan's got a decent defense. I would eventually get tired when uh, Notre Dame's defense keeps on putting them back on the field over and over and over again. But yeah, they would beat that ass pretty soundly because we we need a replacement for the BVG uh, fist pump. Absolutely. <laughs> J Train Eight. <laughs> He's got a DF here. Your bitch-ass Wolverines are lucky you don't have ND on the schedule. We'd humble that ass. And the reply... Which the response from a Michigan fan is... Oh, oh I'm, sure, I'm sure you would. <laughs> they, they, dude, they are tied for fourth with Rutgers. Absolutely good. Rutgers... Oh, we gotta bring this up. Because your Purdue-loving ass, Shane. Yeah, your boy. Your Purdue-loving ass. That, yeah, boy. Humbling. Humbling my shit. H- how do you feel about Rutgers beating your boy out there in Purdue? What is it? 14 to 12? What the fuck? Was this like a, a, a Major League Baseball playoff game? What the fuck was that? <laughs> they rode the boat into the canal to catch a baseball. Fuck that. You were the chosen one! <laughs> yeah, yeah, they suck. Yeah, they hurt my, they hurt my feelings. You still, you still on that Brom train, son? <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Sir is saying maybe, maybe at Stanford the brains were Shaw the whole time. I mean... Hmm. I don't know. I, I I guess I mean here's here's the I th- mean here's I, I would say that except for the fact that USC beat the dick off of of, uh, of Stanford. So <laughs> all right, well look, we've been talking about check check boxes all through the throughout this podcast. Mm-hmm. To be honest, winning in Palo Alto is still a check box because yeah, no 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 definitely yeah that's been something that hasn't been done basically since Stanford sucks serious ass. I mean yeah yeah. I mean, it's been a long time. Weiss was the last person, I believe, that did it. Somebody in the chat can correct me if that's absolutely incorrect. Uh, but I'm almost positive that's the case in that one. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a while. So, even though, I mean, and Stanford has actually, I will admit, has looked better and better week in and week out. They're starting to, to build up a little bit. Since they got their first win in the States, they've improved. It's fine. Yeah, when when they've won beyond Australia, yeah, they've like they've looked a little bit better, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's almost a fair question to ask because not only I mean Sir Opsalot brings up a good point here because I mean Harbaugh did not do like absolutely like every insane thing that he's done thus far at Stanford that he's done at Michigan. Like Michigan, he's gone full Harbaugh. He's gone full off the fucking rails. We've been at recruit houses and shit. Yeah, yeah. And and what has it gotten you? And I even gave Jack shit for this. He's like, oh yeah, well Harbaugh is gonna like recruit good QBs, and then he like turned around and said that Herman was recruiting. I'm like, oh yeah, like Harbaugh is apparently uh, gonna do eventually, and you're still waiting on him. And Jack didn't have a reply for me at that point because I, I just don't see it. And and it's so funny because Michigan may have just and and. We still have a couple years before, and so get me, let's get it straight, a couple years before this hot take comes true, Michigan may have just buried their fucking program because they're married to Harbaugh right now. They can't get rid of his ass. Uh, legit, yeah. They're, they're in deep, and if things don't improve, we're, I mean, there is not going to be a, a good option. Oh, there's no right? exit strategy. There's no, none. Not. What yeah, are you going to do at this point? No, I mean... <laughs> 
you know, Idaho Dome or Harbaugh is 85% raw, raw, and 15% substance. I mean, he's not wrong, especially after what you saw at San Francisco when he was in the NFL. I mean, essentially, he's got his little ideas that he puts in. He gets into the NFC Championship. They can't win it. They can't win it after that. But he leaves, what, after three years? And it's evident that the problem is that he doesn't have enough semblance of control. But then when he does get control, what does he do What does he do with it? He wears khakis, goes to Ruth Chris, and sleeps at Chris's houses? I mean, come on. The dude's a maniac. He climbs trees and shit. Like, the dude's crazy. So, really, he's done everything that a pedophile does oh, and shit. hasn't won a football game of war. I, the question becomes, does he have binoculars? Because I feel like uh, at this point, you know, he's, he's peeping windows. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that guy. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, so, oh, God. Papalau Falaco. Is that how you say it, sir? There is definitely some grumbling Papa in Michigan. Alpha, you know? But next year will be the put up or shut up year. Alpha Alpha Kilo. Okay, Alpha right. Alpha Kilo. All right, there we go. We, we got the pronunciation correctly. It's so it's so different when you see these names on Twitter all the time. Or is that that's Pack? Yeah, that's Pack. Yeah. Oh, it's not Pack. I, I don't know. Papa, Papa Alpha Kilo. That's that's the phonetic alphabet. Pack. P A K. Okay, there you go. He's saying yes, it is. So there you go. Yes, Bitch, I was in the army. I know this shit. <laughs> Is that what it is? Kilo? Yes. Kilo's that, that's K? That's the phonetic alphabet. Papa Alpha Kilo, yes. I didn't know Kilo was K. Mm-hmm. You would think I would know that after the Zaire drop. Oh, rest in peace, Zaire drop. <laughs> rest in peace forever. Oh, Florida. Oh, Florida. Should we should we say again how great it was that we got the shutdown forecast to read that? <laughs> it was a fantastic, well-read, and a great opportunity to take jabs at Florida and make them tout Notre Dame's performance against their will. Yeah, absolutely. And I really hope we get a couple extra listeners from there because yeah, uh as you may have deciphered, we're we're kind of kind of in line with the the way we produce our podcasts here. Uh, absolutely. Uh yes, Idaho Domer. I I definitely knew you were. There there are very few people on Twitter that hail from Idaho and cheer for Notre Dame that actually uh <laughs> interact with me. That, that that's that a very is- small the, the Venn diagram is a super small subset. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man! Um, so, so other takeaways from this game in the grand, in the grander scheme. So, so we're looking at the second half of the season, right? The number one second half schedule in the country in terms of difficulty. Right? Absolutely, yes. State, we got the uh, Navy. Uh, we got what is it? Um, Miami. You got Miami, Miami still. Who is? Oh man! Did you watch any of that game against Syracuse? I I, I saw you know a small snippet of the fourth quarter. Um, I saw the last touchdown by Miami and essentially then pull away. But, Yo, I'm getting an SC vibe out of them like none I'm, other. Okay. This I is really what I'm saying. So, so I live in Miami, and the reason why I'm going to, a, to the game is because I have a coworker who's a UM alum who has happened to invite me to a game. He has three tickets. He's got two extra, two extra spots, Ooh. me and another coworker. Yeah. Interestingly enough, he's got seats like a row or two behind the home bench. So it's going to be like on the 45-yard line. It's insane. But <clears> – <throat> One of the things that I keep explaining to them is you, you guys recognize that, especially if you look at the Georgia Tech result and you look at uh, your Florida State game, which is essentially the ghost of Florida State future, is who you played. Um, and the way things played out um, against Duke, Miami has – you have to recognize that Miami is just pure suspect. I mean, what, they, what they've been able to do is essentially put the game away when they need to, but we're at a point now where – you can't look at Notre Dame, uh, Miami's performance and believe, really for a second, rationally speaking, if, you're, if you want to be that fan, which Miami fans are not, uh, 
Um, rationally speaking, that Miami really stands much of a chance of maintaining a, a, a constant performance. What, what Miami has managed to do is that they turn their offense on in the fourth quarter and hope that the defense holds. Against the likes of Georgia Tech and Duke, that's plausible. But at the pace at which Notre Dame is performing, and the way their defense is matching their offense's performance. Oh, they'll be fucked in the first half. I'm sorry. They're fucked. They're straight fucked. Absolutely. So. And that's why I'm saying I'm getting the SC vibe because yeah. I could easily see. And, and now, look, it's a different situation. Notre Dame's on the road. So, yes, I understand. Even though maybe, like, Miami fans may actually show up to this one. So, instead of, like, 500 fans or maybe 600. You'll get 12. 12 people will be there. <laughs> Most of the one guy that only shows up. Yeah, so so it may be a little bit rougher as far as the you know the, the locale. It may be a little bit tougher, but I still get that same vibe. Look, and, I'm going. And that's the same thing Jack said. And, and this is a third party who is he's hurting FSU fan people. Rest oh, cool. rest in peace, Florida Seminoles, because you motherfuckers ain't making a bowl yeah, after fun. this. Remember what we said in the preview? Oh. If, if they couldn't pull this one out, they're they're in the downslope. Here we go. Hey, hey, look, we should also mention that at the very last play of the game, I don't know if you saw the Shane, but the last play of the game, Blackman went down and he looked hurt. Like, oh, broken collarbone. Hurt in that one. Really? Yes. He, no, I did not he, see that at he all. Came up, he, he did not come up off the ground for a long time. And he just, you know how, like, the arm kind of hangs when something's wrong? Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be hearing something from Jimbo within the next week about how Blackman's feeling because he did not look right. And there wasn't a whole lot of talk, at least it seemed like, about what happened to him, but he did not look right when he came up on there. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be starting like a backup middle linebacker at quarterback here in one of these weeks. They're, 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 they're hurting. I mean, look, when, when uh, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. I don't even know the quarterback's name. Uh, DeAndre Francois, when he went down, um, you, you kind of worry, right? But then after the hurricane, you were thinking, okay, well, well let's see what if they can kind of just get back on track. Oh, the defense, too. The defense looked like they were going to hold it. Together. Right. And then, of course, they still have, you know, one of the better defenses in the country, supposedly. And yet, they come out and, you know, now they're at a point now where, like, like we said in the preview, bowl eligibility is massively in jeopardy at this point. Um, and if they lose Blackman, dude, I'm sorry. Like, you know, just 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 bow out. You know, take take the the postseason off. Just just chill because you're at a point now where you, your program is not not just in rebuild mode. It is in get all the Legos together because they're scattered all over the house. Mode. <laughs> well, and, and they burned Blackman's red shirt. That's the other yeah. thing we have to consider here. This this isn't just a this season thing that's going on. This is a future of the program gambit that Jimbo did, and it backfired in the biggest way possible. This is that kind of arc in, in, a, in a coach's career, right, where things can either slope up, right, they can hit, hit a little hump, do a little dip, and then maybe recover, or the coach can never get back, you know? Um, and what Jimbo has done cannot be understated, right? What, he, what he's been capable of in, t- in terms of what he's done for that program cannot be ignored. But they're at the point now where if they're, if this continues, right, and what they've done is essentially they've set themselves back a year and a half overall by quarterback in terms of math. Um, if they can't get back to where they were and it affects recruiting, it affects their overall uh, trajectory, you, you start to wonder, 
you know, does Jimbo put feelers out? I mean, that, that, that does seem premature, and I say that only in terms of hyperbole, but, you know, the reality is, is you have to start looking at this and say, you know, Jimbo's got options, and the windows are only so open, you know? So, I don't know, but things, things feel like a little bit, things feel a little tumultuous in the ACC at this point. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting, especially if, and, and again, big if, capital I, capital F, if Notre Dame actually handles North Carolina State, which is no guarantee at this point. That's because, a yeah, that, that's a big one because that, there's a good defense on the other end of that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, do you want to actually let's, – let's go around the world of college football very, very quickly. I mean, we should at least say true this podcast, Shane. Let, yep. let's, do, let's do some quick hits. Uh, one, uh, and this was my, you know, absolute morbid curiosity game of the week, Alabama 45, Tennessee 70. Right. Why did you watch this? Why? Why did you do that? Because I have the sports mix up on DirecTV, and I just, I was laughing. Look, I, I, I saw a post that was released about an hour or two before this game, and it was titled, Butch Jones is waiting for Alabama <laughs> to put him to out of his fire mind. his ass? <laughs> to put him out of his misery. Um, it, look, I, I don't know what to make of Tennessee. And it's not just like you look at the field results and think, well, they're just bad. Because I feel like it's not quite that simple. It's at a point now where it just feels like not only did he lose control of the team at the end of the last season, because we saw the transfers that are starting running back left and all that shit, but it just kind of feels now like whatever Butch Jones had going on, whatever they inspired, whatever inspired them to put a fucking trash can on their sideline, whatever made them think that the winning the game of life was actually something of substance. And flipping double birds to the crowd yeah. when you're down by a fuck ton. Whatever makes them think that all of this stuff makes sense, I don't know that there's really anything that any team is capable of doing that's really going to put a nail in anybody's coffin for Furbush Jones. He's just he's just going to do it himself. I mean, it's, it's at a point now where whatever Tennessee tries to be, they aren't. And if they are, and if they do try, <laughs> it's it's what seven points worth of whatever they try. At I mean, best. you know, and it's garbage time points against a team like Alabama. I mean, like even even Georgia didn't show that kind of mercy, winning forty one nothing. So, if anything, it's the kind of team where you know they exist, but you kind of pretend like they don't. You know, like it's just the guy that you know comes to the office and works every day, but the guy doesn't shower. You know, so like everyone knows he's around because everything kind of smells like shit all the time. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that's kind of what Tennessee feels like at this point. I think that's kind of Tennessee, to be honest. All right. Well, well, let's move on because the weird shit happened in the Big 12. And, and folks, we, we just need to go down there because, you know, some crazy shit happened. And one of it was Oklahoma State damn near lost to Texas. They yeah. went to overtime 13 to 10. And this ended because El- Ellinger, I, I'm convinced he was concussed because the interception he threw at the end of overtime was one of the. What the fuck are you doing, dude? One of the, I thought I saw orange. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. And and on the heels of that, Oklahoma has to come back against Kansas State, 42-35. to 35. Man, the, yeah. the Big 12 is like, all right, Pac-12, I see you're cannibalizing each other. Hold my fucking beer. Yeah. Hold I mean, my fucking beer. You, you remember in the previous show, I said, like, this is the chance for another team other than Oklahoma to really staple themselves as a potential Big 12 championship contender. Well, other than TCU. Yep. Um, yeah, and yet here comes Oklahoma State just letting Texas hang around. And now, if I if, if we're looking at this in terms of their overall ranking and position following this game, you, you can't expect them to drop by much. But it's not the kind of game 
that gives you much of a vote of confidence when you look around the college football landscape for what Texas has, has quote-unquote done this year and what Oklahoma State is supposed to have been. Um, even less so for Oklahoma. Because I'm not, I'm sorry, Kansas State's hot garbage. And they were up 21-7 to in the first half on Oklahoma. Like, this is the number nine team in the country. This is supposed for to now. be... The, yeah, for now. <laughs> this is supposed to be... I mean, but you know what? It's it's back-to-back positions, right? So you have the number nine team shit in the bed for half a game, and then the number 10 team shit in the bed for four quarters and having to force overtime to do the shit right. I mean, the Big 12, aside from what TCU has done and what is what they're capable of, it just feels like they don't want it enough. And it's not so much that the conference itself is, is by design uh, a, a cannibal fest. It's more so that, you know, when, when teams come in and they're supposed to underperform, the Big 12 has a way. They just they find a way. It's like life in the Jurassic Park movies. It finds a it way finds to shit on itself, to crap itself down the toilet. It just doesn't. Drop. Life finds a way. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. It's yeah. the Big 12's perennial story. Like, they really want to tell you they want to be in the playoff, but then as soon as the conversation comes around, they're like, I, I, I have a kid's birthday party I forgot about. My bad. I got to go. Yeah, and West Virginia, here's your obligatory Baylor mention in the podcast. West Virginia survives Baylor 38-36. to 36. God. So I'm telling you, Baylor, Baylor's going to do it to somebody. It's, it's going to be Texas. I'm convinced. I am absolutely convinced at this point it's going to be Texas. All right. Well, the one other score I want to mention, uh, briefly, Michigan State sparted it hard 17-9 against Indiana. But, Shane, UCF, and Judy even mentioned this. You Boom. I have gotten more than just in the Discord channel. I've gotten this on Twitter, that you yep. have sold people on the UCF Golden Knights. 31-21, victorious over Navy. Have your time, Shane. Have it right here. I'm, I'm telling you. Look, so we all know that Navy's supposed to be this thing. UCF has come around, and they have essentially been reborn. They've phoenixed above the Astros in 2017. It is now time for new life. Because whatever UCF was, right, when they beat the, uh, Baylor in the Sugar Bowl, let's say, three or four years ago, right, that was essentially their apex. UCF had never achieved a level of that like that. USF was the only team from the then conference, the Big East, that has, had achieved anything similar, and that was in 2007 when the world was upside down. UCF has managed to turn their program into no longer this kind of, uh, well, you know, depends on where we're at. This year, what they have taken that, that, that program into has been essentially this, if you're, if you're unsure who to look for, we got you covered. In terms of the G5 teams, USF and UCF are the only logical conclusions. Now, USF, of course, hasn't lost the game. They've done what they've had to do. What UCF is doing is telling people that it doesn't matter how what our record was the, the year prior. You come to our house or we go to your house. The reality is, is we're going to swing a bat. And I hope you have gloves or you've got protective covering of some kind. Because if not, we're knocking you the fuck out. And what they've done, <laughs> they've knocked people the fuck out all season. And now Navy comes in. You know, essentially, Navy at home. They're supposed to be this kind of unstoppable... You know that they're they are the the apex of triple option, right? They have essentially established themselves, I think, over the past couple of years as being the real representative of that offense. Sorry, Georgia Tech, not real. Um, and yet UCF comes in and says, "Ah, we got you figured out," and they still score twenty one points and they beat them. 
and it's it's like this every single week. It's the lowest total points they've scored in the season, so you have to give Navy's defense some credit. But you can also probably attribute that to the fact that Navy probably held the ball like 80% of the game and still fucking lost. So it's at a point now where either you take UCF for real and and, and as a serious contender, or you sleep, bro, because you, you you're about to get whooped. So somebody's gonna somebody's gonna get somebody's gonna get surprised and caught off guard. The reality is, is UCF is something serious, and nobody was expecting it. And I could not be happier. I'm sorry. I, I I understand that we wanted Navy to be in a better position by the time they played Notre Dame, but if UCF can do it, uh, I'm sorry, but you know, Notre Dame has a chance here to to to, to make some work of it. But UCF. I, I... I think we've got enough teams in the second half of the schedule that are in a good position to boost Notre Dame's strength of schedule. I'm honestly not worried about that in the least right now. It's, it's about that gold, man. They say golden knights and shit just goes real. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Dude, absolutely. All right, let, let's flip back to Notre Dame. I mean, we had at least, you know, we advertised on the shutdown podcast that we actually watch other college football, so we've proven mm-hmm. it in this podcast. Uh, but do you want a little bit of Bershey bets here? Oh, do I ever. Give me some stats. ND has won five straight by at least 20 points for the first time since... Yes, yes, Shane. For the first time since when? <clears throat> for the first time since... Ever! 1966. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, we're we're in rarefied ground here, and I, I'm just sitting here like... 20 points in a... Five, five games by 20 points? Yeah, I mean, look, as yeah. much as I was preaching patience on maybe don't jettison bk into the sun quite yet look mm-hmm. even i even as optimistic as i am did not expect something like this no absolutely not no no no. listen you remember i mean before week one i was full-on kool-aid mode right i was i was i was in i was ready but i mean there, there would be literally no logical or rational reason for me to expect that notre dame was going to come out and slap the dick off of opponents twenty po- by 20 points in five straight weeks. Certainly not, including the likes of, A, Boston College, who always makes it a problem. Who is apparently State. good now. They yeah, won Michigan again. State. Michigan State, who's only lost one game to us what by, the hell? 20, by 20 points. And then USC. Like, I'm never, never at any point would I have ever had any reason to expect this. And yet, here we are. I am... I, I, I would rather... I would ra- I would sooner drink, I don't know. I mean, I, I would sooner drink battery acid than than have expected that. And yet, you know, we're at the point now where it, that's just real life. So battery acid, here I come. I guess I don't know. Oh man! Oh wait, we got an excuse up here. Uh, I am flying around Twitter. Uh, oh. T. Martin, Notre Dame had a lot of veteran guys who forced us to execute. When we did, we scored. What? Oh, so it's that, down to execution. Okay, that was that was. USC coach T. Martin's explanation? Sound, sounds like Notre Dame last year all over again. Okay. Yeah. No, sure. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, we're, we're getting out. All right. Since we're laughing at other out. people's hot, hot, hot takes, uh, Jimmy G's going to have to answer to this one because he wrote, and, and honestly, at the time, it didn't seem like that far-fetched. Mm-hmm. And Jude said, this is aging like a fine wine, where Jimmy G said that Texas loss marks the beginning of Kelly's end and Notre Dame. Yep, that was an HLS piece the oh. beginning of last year. Texas loss marks the beginning of Kelly's end at ND. Yeah, and, and Jude raises the, fine, the, the valid point. Yeah. Aging like fine wine in yeah. terms of fine Jude wine. Jude send that to like, Colts. 
Cold Takes Exposed. Send it to Cold Takes Exposed. Oh, hell yeah. Let's no, get no, the no, free fair. pub. Please, please. <laughs> the reality is, is, yeah, I mean, it was easy to draw the conclusion, right? If you, if you look at it, especially the way last year played out. You know, the, the fact, first and foremost, and I think this is one of Jimmy G's points, is that the year, the fact that the year began with Brian Van Gorder underemployment was already like a, oh, fuck. And of course, the season played out as one could expect, four and eight, and things just, you know, deteriorated. <laughs> but uh, have you seen 2017? Because, yeah, about that whole loss or end of uh, Brian Kelly's era, I'm sorry, but the reality is I think we can realistically expect that that's probably not the case. Yeah, it, it, it's different, and we got to give Kelly credit for really, I mean, I gave him shit about the whole yoga thing. I will forever give him shit about the yoga thing because I still think that's absolute bullshit. But, what? oh, and there goes stuff all over my desk. All right. Go, go did me. you drop a drink? I did. I oh. absolutely did. For those who thought we were not drunk enough, there you go. Yeah. Well, thankfully, I got enough stuff. Uh, right now, only my Red Cross blood donation uh, thing is really in danger right now. Please, please specify thing because if you have a Red Cross Red Cross blood donation bag on your desk. No, it's I, not a donation bag. It's a donation okay, card, checking. so I don't have to wait in line nearly okay, as long. Okay, all right. Just checking. I okay. probably should, at some point in the future, get a paper towel very quickly. Um, But anyway, so I'm not editing this out either. That's totally saying in the podcast. I know, yeah. You fucked up. You got to own that. Yeah. You fucked up. You fucked up, as uh, the wrestling fans would say. Uh, but anyway, where were we? Uh, Brian Kelly, yes. Uh, one thing that he did do is that, you know, bringing in the assistance that he's brought in has been absolutely key. Absolutely mm-hmm. key for this team. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you, you have to then lump in with that group. Bayless, right? I mean, not, not for nothing, but at, at no point at, in any game, which was essentially the staple of the last, what, three or four years prior, did has the team shown any fourth quarter quit, right? Oh, no, whether not at not, all. They're actually right Whether you're not as backups or starters, the defense never quits. The offense doesn't give up. There, there is no actual conditioning issue. It's, it's, almost, it's almost unrealistic to think, but you have to have the realization that in teams prior, you could see the defense getting gassed, the defensive backs losing track of their receivers, the, the defensive line not getting the same kind of push especially when it got to the tail end of the third and fourth quarters. But this season, that just hasn't existed. So I, you have to give Bayless his credit. But, of course, you know, Chip Long's offense has been beyond sound. And then, you know, like I said earlier, the real MVP, that's fucking Mike Elko. That oh, dude absolutely. has transformed the identity of, of an entire half of this team that to us has always been an uncertainty and liability. And now we're at a position where it's like, I don't even think twice about it, that, that the defense is just going to do their job throughout the entire game and has held so far, especially now after the bye. So, yeah, we, we definitely got to give, give BK the credit for the the hires that he made. And, and really, the self-examining yoga aside and, and yeah, all the gentler, uh, yeah, and solid verbal say, all the gentler BK stuff aside, uh, what BK has done is like, oh, I need to bring in some different minds here. And the minds he's brought in have paid dividends greatly thus far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been kind of the indisputable point of what has changed this season, the entire the trajectory of this team in this season. Um, you can give it 
you can give absolute due credit to you know what he him himself uh, being willing to step out of his comfort zone and you know change things up, do things differently this year. The reality is the team has just has evolved. I mean, like it, it, you know, it, 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 in as simple as a term as possible, like you just think of it's gone from you know from Charmeleon to Charizard essentially. <laughs> Poke- Wait, did we really bring Pokemon evolution? I will always bring Pokemon. As far as I can, it's gone from just the 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 hot the hot tail with a hot head to the winged beast that can be not matched. I mean, the, the, that's essentially what, what we're at now. Um, so to me, it's just been one of those transformations that you know you don't really see in a lot of teams. I mean, I, I would I maybe would equate this to the the, the most uh, applicable uh, applicable parallel would perhaps be TCU going from you know twenty twenty fourteen or. Yeah, 2014, 2015, you know, when they went 4-8 and, and then they went 10-2. Um, but, you know, it, it still kind of feels surreal when you look at it in terms of not only how they're performing game to game, but frankly, how they're outpacing what should be quote-unquote evenly matched opponents for them so far. Um, and, and, and it just kind of speaks to what they're capable of in the future. Absolutely. We got another uh, question from the chat here, Shane. If you, if oh, you shit. Yeah, so uh, Idaho Donor chiming in. In my opinion, we are witnessing the transformation of Brian Kelly. Really, he seems to have figured out the that cult, overall culture is greater than micromanaging. Our thoughts. Go mm. ahead and lead on that one. Yeah, so you know, I think we all recognize in at least his first six years that Brian Kelly had, you know, his hand all the way elbow deep in the pot, right? Um, and that's just kind of has been his. Is mo, and that happens when you have somebody who's got 25 plus years of coaching experience at at this quote unquote level of the sport, uh, and is used to things working a certain way. But it was evident that last year that 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 no longer worked, uh, and and it's not just that his approach was no longer viable, but rather that what he was expecting to come out of that approach simply wasn't sustainable. Um, he, you know, he, he can't coach the defense and the quarterbacks and the offense and all of his coordinators all at once. Um, and at a certain point when you have, you know, liabilities like Brian Van Gorder or questionable situations like, you know, the fact that Joe Schmidt was the only competent player or gaps that are just left, you know, or, or, or I guess stop gaps like Jalen Smith, right? You're, you're in a position now where you kind of have to recognize that you can really only focus your attention so far and still be effective. Um, and in order to do that, you have to be able to delegate a lot of that responsibility. Um, and that delegation needs to happen uh, and be put in the hands of competent coordinators. Um, so, yes, I think he has recognized that he can't micromanage. But I think it's easier to maintain when considering that the people he has put in places of management are infinitely more competent um, prior years. And, yes, you know, you have to recognize as well that he can't do all the bullshit about, you know, like... Uh, he can't make excuses like fundraising, and he can't make excuses like yeah, that made that made the rounds in the offseason. Uh, you know, but you know, all that aside, you, you you know that a that comes with the territory. You're the Notre Dame head coach, uh, but b you know, in terms of prioritizing what makes this team or what makes this football program run, he is now in a position where he can let the reins be taken in small in small portions, and he no longer has to steer the entire ship. And I think that's a huge deal. So I think it's it's definitely been a massive improvement. Yeah, definitely. And and Shane, I, 
I don't want to interrupt where we're going. We seem to be flowing pretty good, but I, I swear I keep hearing some sounds from Georgia. Am I hearing sounds from Georgia? Is that is that a thing? Is that Hello. Oh, oh, it's Moons! Moony, what's up, gentlemen? How are y'all? Oh, we're doing good. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. Man. I'm doing good. I heard that we were having a conversation about messing with culture and schemes, so I felt like I had to chip way in at this point. Oh, oh. by all means, come on and fire away, sir. Well, you know, it's just my general ability to ruin any perfectly executed scheme like y'all, so I felt like I was the <laughs> Wait, 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 hold on. Time out. Perfectly executed? I just spilled a drink all over my desk a minute ago. Sure shit did. <laughs> That's what's known in the business as a comic device. You can't fool me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell my desk that. I have lots of conversations with your desk. I will add that to the list of topics. <laughs> um... So, Malou, what are your thoughts here? What, 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 what is your opinion in terms of this overall approach so far? I mean, I, I think you've got to give Brian Kelly credit for what I would say going outside his comfort zone and that he found assistance that he didn't have a background with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think in a lot of ways that BBG hire was him f- trying to find someone that he was comfortable with, and it obviously backfired in a big way. Uh, and instead of doing that, what he did was he went out and found people that he thought were motivated and obviously had the energy to reinvigorate the program. I think that's the biggest difference. You know, as an outsider, just my personal view, I think it's tough to figure out, is he still micromanaging? Is he not micromanaging? Is he doing more than he was in the past? Is he doing less? I really don't know because I don't know what he was doing when Brian Van Gorder was there. Uh, But what I do know is, you know, there's obviously a tangible difference on the field. uh, And you obviously have to give that credit to the new guys that came in. Uh, you know, Elko, number one, I think he's just done a tremendous job. You know, I mean, the personnel there, I didn't think was that great. I thought it was fine. You know, I thought they were underperforming compared to their talent level, but I really wasn't sure because, you know, one of the big knocks on Van Gorder was that he was a terrible recruiter. And I think it showed, you know, we would get people, you know, we were getting Dalen Hayes, but it was like one Dalen Hayes in the class. And that was what was worrying me. And yet Elko came in, I'm suddenly going, Oh man, I was really wrong about basically everybody on the defensive line. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, we all it's were, well to be fair, we all were. It's well known though that Brian Van Gorder was an active non-participant when it came to recruiting. Like he, he specifically refused to do it. Which why would you hire someone? And, and that is yeah. one of the weirdest things in the Brian Kelly era. Of, why would you hire somebody like that at the college football game? Yeah, so weird. Yeah, and, and so I think that it was it was a weird hire. You know, I don't know what was going on there, but obviously Mike Elko's been a home run so far, and I just kind of sit here and think, hey, we're halfway through season one, mm-hmm. and I know Elko's been hitting the recruiting trail so much harder, and I'm kind of like, oh, man, this is already just halfway through season one. What could we actually expect in the future? I think, you know, my jury's a little bit more out on Chip Long to this point. I think he inherited a lot of talent. Oh, I mean, lawyers. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, this is me being, you know, Debbie Downer. But, you know, I look, you know, it's nice when you're the left side of the offensive line you inherit is basically the number one tackle and number one guard in the nation. Uh, and, you know, Josh Adams has been amazing. Uh, you know, if he's he should be in the Heisman at this point. Right. Oh, he's gonna, I mean, after this yeah. game, if he's yeah, not, then, then, all right, I will tell you right now, 
we will bang that drum on HLS like crazy because it's been brought up internally. I said, let's wait. Wait till after SC. Let's see what happens. Yeah, that drum is going to start getting banged pretty loud because, oh, yeah, he didn't have a good game against Georgia. Guess what? Nobody fucking does. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's it. Like, I mean, Josh Adams hadn't done very well versus Georgia or Michigan State, so he needed that breakout game in the big time under the lights, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, but, you know, so kind of getting back to the point about Chip Long, it's just he had a lot more to work with, uh, but, you know, you can't deny the fact that this is still the highest scoring offense in the Brian Kelly era. I mean, yeah. that the, you know, the 2015 offense was incredibly efficient. I remember doing like a bunch of research on that about just how efficient it was, and yet it wasn't putting up these point totals either. So, uh, you know, whether it's Brian Kelly has learned to be more hands-off or just finally brought in people that understand the college game better. Uh, you know, props to him for, I think, going way outside his comfort zone with a couple of guys that he didn't have a history with. Yeah. Oh, no, he absolutely didn't do that. And, and look, we got to give BK credit for that. If you're going to if you're gonna knock him for the hires that he whiffed on, and, and by God did he whiff on BBG and, <laughs> and, uh, beyond recognition, you have to recognize what he did. And it was funny, even in the blue goal game, he was talking to the referees, and he was hyping them. He was like, look, only Elko, what was it, like uh, Alabama and one other team? was like, eh, and then it was Wake Forest. I mean, it was incredible. And it was even, it's like, okay, yeah, but still. And then all of a sudden you see the results. You're like, holy shit, he actually knew what he was doing. Oh, oh, thank you for linking that in the chat, uh, Shane. <laughs> the Essential Brian Bank. Sorry, I had to post my video of the Essential Brian Bank. I'm going to roll something else out there. <laughs> it is the crying Jordans of the entire Trojan band. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's a good thing to describe this on the audio medium. Again, com slash Discord. We're, we're going to keep this open because this has been fun. Mm-hmm. Could you actually describe the Crying Jordan photo in more detail? I think that, that, that's compelling podcast right there. All right, so all right, so they got a picture of the band, and it, it looks like early pregame, quite frankly. And it, and the mascot are all standing in unison. Yeah, they they got whoever is going to be Tommy Trojan as well as the band. They're all standing. It looks like they're they're settling in for their pregame routine. And there's about uh, one, two, three, four rows deep of crying Jordans on every yeah. single face <laughs> one, one. of the band. <laughs> wearing sunglasses. As, as, oh my, as, I didn't even see that one. <laughs> as USC band members do. <laughs> there's one wiping their eyes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and of, oh, my God. All right. Look, we got to mention this because it shut down Fullcast in our little ad read for the donation to Hurricane Irma. Uh, so one thing Ryan Nanny has done, uh, otherwise known as at Celebrity Hot Tub, he's been doing the sad husky on a lot of a yeah, lot the of the 1950s Yukon Husky logo with the saddest looking dog in history. He's been putting that face on basically everybody. It's the new crying Jordan. He put it on Tommy Trojan stabbing the 50 yard line. <laughs> Beautiful. This is somebody. All right, but but as we know, on the last code open, he is he's cheering for Notre Dame because of pain and suffering, folks. Yeah. That's what he's here for. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. No, I mean, look, if we're gonna if we're gonna sum this one up, right? I think it's important that we take a moment here to sum this game up. 
it is, who do I call about an erection lasting more than four hours? All right? You're a doctor. Um, Notre Dame put this game away in the first quarter. I cannot tell you. I literally cannot tell you the last time I ever thought about that when it came to a Notre Dame-USC game. Well, let's put it no- this way. Let's put it this way. Let's be honest here. That was less stressful than the fucking BC game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. BC made it interesting for a whole half. USC made it interesting for they were, they walked out of the tunnel. That was it. It was, it was less stressful than UNC. UNC was, like, terrifying at halftime, and everyone yeah. was pretty much ready to burn down the place because no one was putting up first downs. Right, right. Yeah, and yet but see, I was at a wedding for that, and I'm like, I'm totally cool. We're going to beat the, the shit out of UNC. Yeah, you were wearing, like, weird, creepy masks and posting it on Twitter, and that was also freaky. Like, Notre Dame wasn't scoring, then I've got your mug and some sort of, like, wolf mask. No, no, hey, hold on, hold on, let's get it right. I was a fucking unicorn, motherfucker. Oh, and geez. I understand I'm under furry suspicion right now, but let's get the facts straight on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> so, fur, so, so fur, furry culture aside, <laughs> I want to take just a quick second. So, the upcoming opponents are NC State, Wake Forest, at Miami, Navy, at Sanford. Based solely on the performance thus far, what are your realistic expectations for the record of the final five games? I'm too Ryan, drunk for realistic. No, Moon starts on this. I'm too drunk for I realistic. You want me to start? You really want I me do. to start? I do. I do. I want. I want. I want absurd take followed by lawyery rationality. All right. Look. To be honest, what I'm looking at is I really think Notre Dame at this point because I did not expect this. Even in my wildest dreams for UNC, I am honestly expecting this to be at the floor, ten and two. Because I can see us dropping one either to NC State or Miami or some random bullshit game in between. I can see one random loss in between there. Because this team is actually really fucking good. They're good. This is a good football team. And that is the bottom line here. We finally played, I mean, look, SC has its faults. I absolutely understand that. They have their faults. But this is a team that has pulled a win out of their ass Week after week after week, except when they go up to Wazoo. And you pouring some acid there, Shane? Nope, not me. Are you pouring some bourbon there, Moons? Maybe. All right, there we go. <laughs> we, we hit it right. All right, so anyway, I, I heard the booze poured, and, and that just rolls me out. But anyway, I can see one loss there. That's honestly what I'm expecting here. So, I mean... I'm expecting good things here. I'm, I'm I'm really looking at New Year's Six or in the playoff conversation. That's really where I'm at at this point because I really think we can get there. And okay. if we don't, yes, it will be a disappointment because I really think this team's got something special. So, so Moons, with your newly poured bourbon slash whiskey slash whatever the hell you poured over there, what do you got up for this team? Yeah, so first off, we have it. It's high country. Do y'all ever drink high country whiskey? No. Boy. Or sorry, no. high west. High west. I don't know what I'm doing. See, this is what happens when I do You're this You're in the east. Night. Why are you drinking okay. west? High west. It's campfire. It, 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 it's great stuff. Uh, so that's a, that's my plug for high west. Uh, <laughs> They're not paying us for this shit. Please hush, sponsor the Age of podcast. That's right. <laughs> yeah, park and party. Come back. Come back. Come <laughs> back. <laughs> 
All right, so that out of the way. Um, you know, I think that at this point, I write in Wake Forest and Navy as wins. I just yep. I don't see either one of those teams sticking with Notre Dame, period. I think so that kind of leaves Stanford, Miami, NC State. Uh, you know, when I've been going back and forth through the schedule, I've said I've got my concerns with NC State because as happy as we are with how the schedule set up for this USC game, NC State basically gets that. They, you know, they're sitting at home this week. They've got the extra week to prepare for Notre Dame. Notre Dame's coming off the big emotional win versus USC, and the question is, does that become a letdown game? Uh, the other thing is, is I don't think people realize just how good Ryan Finley's been for NC State this year. Uh, you know, Sam Darnold's going to get all the accolades, and Lord knows Tariko and Flutie were about that tonight. Uh, but Ryan Finley has yet to throw an interception this year, and before games were played coming into this weekend, was still 12th in the nation in passing yards. Uh, so he's going to be his own test. I've still been fearful about a passing attack, which I think comes down to either Miami or NC State that is actually clicking when they come in. Because even tonight, we saw Darnold miss a couple deep that could have been caught. Uh, and I'm still waiting for the team that maybe lands a couple of those. But at the end of the day, I, I think we're taking at least two out of three out of Miami, NC State, and Stanford. I don't see us dropping two of those three. So I think that kind of 10-2 and two kind of seems like a good, realistic projection for this team. And honestly, if they keep rolling... And I, I yeah. you know, that Stanford game at the end of the year, that's the one that scares the crap out of me because Stanford, I think, is getting going. Yeah. And I don't, and it's going to be on the road and it's going to be emotional. And David Shaw is just one of those guys that seems to drive Notre Dame crazy. So, but fucking I'll tell Shaw. you, yeah, <laughs> fucking Shaw. But, you know, I think 10 and 2, and, and I'm not going to utter the, the thing that I'm thinking, but the mm-hmm. thing that I'm thinking, I think, is possible. Let's not huh. utter that until it becomes an actual thing. Shane, That's uh, right. before we close out this podcast, where do you think the Irish stand at this point in the season? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to pull punches here. I, I'm in full believer mode. And I, I know that the, the remaining schedule is supposed to line up. Or, or rather, it shows that there's a chance that there is an, a reasonable expectation for another loss on this schedule. I'm totally, I totally understand that. And yet, there's a, a, a massive part of me that looks at these performances against these teams, these five straight wins over 20 points against these opponents, perennially give Notre Dame just fits and shit. Um, and, you know, and, and I just feel like this is the year of broken traditions. And, and, and while I think, you know, I, I, Stanford must give pause because, you know, again, playing in Palo Alto always becomes a problem. It just doesn't feel like a thing right now. And, and however rational that may be. Miami, I, I, I don't, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying Miami's whatever situation they got going on. Let their ranking continue to climb and let Notre Dame reap the benefits and rewards of it. That's fine. NC State is the only one that I just can't put my finger down on. I, I, I know that they have outperformed their expectations, and I know that they've beaten their opponents soundly. I saw what they did to Louisville. I'm, I'm hyper aware of the fact that they have an outstanding defense and a great and, and, well, an exceedingly high expectations quarterback, and yet the way Notre Dame has performed, there's this there's this blind slash hopeful optimism that I I kind of can't ignore. 
Um, Wake Forest and Navy, I just don't see them as, as letdowns. I don't see them as, whoops, we lost by accidents. I, I just, it's not happening. Um, I, I, but if I'm, if I'm up, if I'm tossing anything up, it's only NC State at this point. I just I don't feel like Stanford is really that, that team that is going to hold serve like they have in recent years, and I just am not buying whatever Miami is trying to sell, and I'm guessing that's at this point bootleg DVDs in the road because, you know, that's what Miami does. Um, I mean, these are these are great projections. I mean, even on the floor, where, where, where we're at right now, I, do. I don't it's think any one. of us would have had this preseason. No, 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 no shot. Yeah. So, I mean, I, look, this is great, and, and this has been one hell of a podcast. And by the way, thanks for everybody for coming on, listening, putting your questions in the chat. Um, I think we're going to keep this format-ish going forward, so I'll make sure I let y'all know when we're recording. So if you have not yet, go to herloyalsons.com slash discord, and you're going to be able to listen in to Shane and I be able to do whatever it is the hell we do, because this has been fantastic, and I really hope that we're able to continue this going forward. So thank everybody for coming and joining and listening to us live on the podcast. Thank you for all your questions. We hope we can do this again. And folks, I'm going to keep this rolling because this is absolutely glorious. Make sure you join us. Subscribe to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher. We are also on Podbean. And of course, you can always find us at HerLoyalSons.com. Follow me at Shane at SupermanTDJesus. And folks, man, this is great. Enjoy this win. Absolutely enjoy this. This has been the first time we're partying like it's 1995 here. First time we've been a ranked AFC team since I've been an Irish fan. So this is great. So folks, again, have a good one. And until we meet next time, go Irish. And man, let's beat that wolf pack. Y'all have a good one.